0: This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of
1: Acme.
2: Welcome. On behalf of everyone here, um, I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we're meeting this morning the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders, past, present and future. I'm Libby Doherty, I'm the commissioning editor at ABC Children's and thanks for joining Kids in Control. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here. I'm a passionate advocate of kids content and I hope by the end of this session that you will be too. Um, So what do I love about kids content? Well, a bunch of things actually. Firstly, kids are my favourite human beings in the whole world. I absolutely love hearing what they've got to say. I love listening to them talk about their favourite shows and I'm always amazed about about how smart and capable they are. I love that the content we make shapes their view of the larger world and and the content we make also lays the foundation for all of the creative touch points that they'll draw on in their later lives. Also, Australian kids' shows punch way above their weight. Not just the ABC shows, but the other ones with 7, 9, and 10. Our shows are screened in multiple territories all over the world, seen by millions of kids. So I'm delighted today to introduce the panel, Laura Waters and Carla Burt from Princess Productions, who are also passionate about making kids content and grown up content as well. Um, They are the producers of My Year 12 Life, which is an amazing vlogumentary series we've just launched on ABC Me and ABC Main Channel um, for our dedicated primary school audience. Laura started Princess, Laura here on the left, started Princess in 2003. Um, In the past decade, she's produced all of five Chris Lilly's shows, so Summer Heights High, We Can Be Heroes Jamie, Jonah, um, as well as overseeing the production of a range of documentary content, including the Graceland Happiness Project, Sporting Nation, um, Race Relations, It's a Date, 8mm and Outland. Um, And Carla, who is on her right, is the series producer and casting genius of My Year 12 Life. She's been working as a producer in the industry... um, with a lot of young talent and young creatives to bring new formats and stories to the screen. Carla was the Melbourne casting producer for Gogglebox, which is an amazing um, example of fantastic casting. Um, Obviously, there they were looking for for diverse people who needed an opinion and a sense of humour. She was also co-creator and producer of Girl Friday, one of the first sort of truly interactive cross-platform shows that started off on mobile and then moved across to ABC2. So let's give these two a round of applause for joining us today to share this project. (laughs) So what we want to go through today in this hour is a quick summary of some of the exciting kids' factual, delighting audiences around the world. So you can all get a feel for what's trending in this space and what other producers are doing. At ABC Children's, we're seeing more than ever a trend towards kids wanting to be involved in the filmmaking process. They have skills and they want to use them. My Year 12 Life is the perfect case study to take you through what happens when the camera is put in their hands, and then we as the public broadcaster and the producer have to work together to let them tell their stories in their own way. So let's get started by taking a quick look at who this audience is. So this is who they are. This is what they look (laughs) like. These are eight and nine-year-olds. Who are they? This generation is so new, it still doesn't have a name yet. A few ideas have been tossed around in the media and by grown-ups, of course, including Gen Z, iGen, Centennials. MTV calls them builders, the kids building on the foundation of the millennial disruptors. But whatever they choose, it'll be interesting. These kids are living the content dream. They're not digital natives, they're cloud natives. They've been born into the fully functioning on-demand content world. Content streamed direct to their devices, wherever they are, whenever they want it. And they have devices that they are in charge of. No longer are they at the bottom of the family scrap pile fighting for that one remote control. You may have seen last week um, Roy Morgan in Australia did a survey with 2,500 Australian children and the results that they reported were that 74% of children from from six to seven... Sorry let me start again, 74% of children aged 6 to 13 use a tablet. I was absolutely gobsmacked by that. Three years ago, that percentage would have been half of that. 20% of 6 to 7-year-olds use mobile phones, which feels about right, and 2% have their own mobile phones, again, about right. But by the time they're 12 and 13, 74% have mobiles as well. Also, just as a note, around 95% of Australian family homes with children have a computer. So it's really no wonder then that kids on average are spending 10 hours online and watching 12 hours of TV a week. So what kind of content are they watching? Well, they're watching a wide range, like us, with the TV set increasingly becoming their destination for the co-viewing family home experience. Their devices are used for more focused, solitary viewing time. Younger children probably... Between the sort of six to nine bracket are drawn to more sort of traditional style, style TV-like content. Um, but as they get older, their content taste broaden quite significantly, as you would expect, and they start to follow vloggers, um, music videos become big in their life. They go online and look at game tutorials, um, joke and prank videos alongside their favorite TV content. But part of this online time is also about creating content. These kids are prolific, some of them. Shooting, editing, sharing films with friends and family from wherever they are. This generation is mobile and they want to keep it that way. Something we've been tracking for a while, um, which we think is a fantastic service, is Musical.ly. Some of you might know it or you might not. Um, Users on that share um, live stream music videos where they dance and lip sync to their favourite songs. They have 100 million um, subscribers worldwide, apparently, 40 million active users a month, and 12 million new videos uploaded every day, and it's growing. But all of that's only okay if mum and dad say so, which is where the rub is for our gener- for our kids. So yes, they're online watching content. Yes, they're playing about and uploading videos. But what about social media? The majority of the big platforms have a 13-plus age restriction, Facebook, Insta, Twitter, blah, 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 we know the kids are there, but we don't know in what numbers at the moment. It's impossible for us to tell. So what we're really seeing in our audiences is that kids are living um, a very broad experience. Some have very large access to a wide range of content, other children not so much, which feels right when you think about who the parents of these kids are. The majority of them are Gen Xs and Millennials. People who have their own strong digital footprint and understand the internet better than their parents did. These parents are savvy, but they're still worried about privacy and how safe their kids are online, which is something we obviously take very seriously. And there is, of course, the ever-and-ongoing painful arguments around appropriate and healthy amounts of screen time. So even though our iGen, Gen Z cloud natives are living the content dream, it's complicated for them. It's got rules like school, parents are still the gatekeepers, and they still have to brush their teeth and do their homework. So what kind of factual shows around the world are there for these kids? Um, A huge variety of content is made every year in Factual, but what they all have in common is that kids are at the centre of every idea. They're the inspiration, the storyteller, the participant, the challenger, and ever increasingly, the crew. One of the most popular formats is Dengineers. This is the ultimate in wish fulfillment. Dengineers is a children's makeover show in which a team of designers and engineers create luxury dens for children. When this aired earlier, late last year on ABC Me, we were absolutely inundated with requests from kids in Australia to be on this show. Dengineers is made by CBBC Productions and distributed by Beyond Distribution. Let's take a look. Operation Ouch is our next example. Um, In order to educate kids about medicine and biology, doctors Chris and Zand, lovely twins, perform experiments on the human body to show how it works and investigate medical treatments and technology. At times, they're based in emergency departments in real hospitals, looking after real patients who come in with real injuries and real illnesses. And at other times, they're performing gross and funny experiments on each other in their laboratory. They also offer a sort of a try this at home experiment for kids to participate in, within public service broadcasting boundaries of course, um, that the audience absolutely go bonkers about. Um, Operation Ouch is made by Maverick TV and distributed by Sirius Lunch. Let's take a quick look at this one. So kids love natural history, science and nature documentaries. These programs are always well supported by broadcasters around the globe. There's always a slot for them. And there's also the two dedicated channels, Nat Geo Kids and Discovery Kids. Deadly 60 has been one of the biggest brands in this space for a long time with Steve Backshaw's quest to count down the world's deadliest animals. But recently, we saw this fantastic collaboration between BBC's Natural History Unit and DHX Media in Canada called The Zoo. The Zoo is an ob doc with a twist. If you ever wanted to find out what our animal friends are thinking, well, thanks to the power of animation, they can now tell us. Gorillas, penguins and giraffes all take lead roles with human voices and computer-generated mouths. And they have the last laugh after the, over the staff at Painton Zoo in the UK. So fantastic use of natural history archive there. Um, finally, the last sort of big trend I just wanted to touch on is that um, kids really want to know about the big issues Increasingly, um, they live in a world of adult problems, political disruption, refugees, environmental crises. They're very conscious of these things and it's our job to help translate these bigger themes and experiences into language that they can understand. An example of this is this year the kids' BAFTA for the best factual went to a CBBC series called My Life the episode that Widener's called The Boy on the Bicycle, and it's a collaboration between UNICEF and Drama TV. In this film, Ahmed, a 16-year-old Syrian boy, takes the audience on an unprecedented and fascinating tour of one of the biggest refugee camps in the world, Atari in Jordan. Unfortunately, I couldn't get a clip, which I'm really, really sorry about, but please look it up because it's absolutely amazing and powerful. To see this refugee camp, experience it, and see the ecosystem of it through children's eyes. So what are we doing in Australia? That's that's the next question, really. Um, for those of you not familiar with ABC Me, we are the ABC ded- ABC's dedicated children's channel for primary school kids. We have a linear broadcast channel that broadcasts from six o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock in the morning. We also have a dedicated app Um, So it's a bit like iView, but slightly broader um, in an interesting way in that we take content from ABC Kids, which is our preschool channel, ABC Me, the linear channel, and then some programs from ABC2 and ABC1, and we curate them in our app, um, which really gives our audience that broad experience that I was sort of indicating before, where they might be feeling a little bit nostalgic about Octonauts or Ben and Holly's Little Kingdom, and at the same time wanting to stretch themselves into something like Doctor Who – so this is a dedicated space for them. Um, it has a few customizable features so they can set up their own playlists and their sort of own favourites and channel and hopefully over the course of this year we'll be rolling out further features um, for them to enjoy and to actually be able to, um, to put content into the app and stream it through there as well. So user generated content is something that we're focusing on and we're sort of doing it in a lo-fi way at the moment. We run um, campaigns and challenges through our website and through the channel. Um, Usually we ask kids to, we give them a specific goal and they they sort of record themselves and send it in. We then repackage that as mashups or we play it as is on the channel. So this is sort of an ever-growing area of our service and something we really want to build which builds a great um, direct connection with the audience. We also have very carefully managed social media accounts as per the 13-plus restriction, and where rights allow us, we are trying to stream um, episodes on YouTube, et cetera, as well. Our strategy is to be where the audience is, and we are going to them. That's what we need to do. The content we commission for all of these platforms ranges across factual comedy, drama, animation... Uh, We're very fortunate that we can work in any format, half hours, 15, 7, 8s, 3s, 4s, 11s, like whatever. Whatever is the best duration to tell the story. Um, However, in saying that, anything that is looking as an international format or a drama, we probably will be working in a half hour. Um, Our current strategy, um, last year we rebranded from ABC3 to ABC Me and we repositioned the audience target to 6 to 12 um, and really the aim of that was also to get more Aussie kids' faces on screen. So here's a short reel just to give you a flavour of the tone and the vibe of the channel. So in Children's we have two commissioning editors, myself and Chris Rose. As you all know, you can contact contact us surname.firstname at au, as you can anyone at the ABC We're looking at the moment for highly innovative formats similar to what I've sort of shown you where you take something like a medical um, theme and you really turn it on its head and do something interesting and different. Obviously, the kids' point of view is absolutely paramount. That will be the first question we will be asking you and the other question will be about diversity and background and um, reflecting all of Australian children. We also have a department um, who manage acquisitions. So if you have programming that you think would fit into ABC Me. Emma Mungavin is the contact for that, and she's usually looking for half hours, anything under a half hour, 15s, um, short form, Um, and she's open to submissions. Um, I'm very happy to put anyone in contact with her. Um, So, I mean, what's really important to us on ABC Me is Australian stories and reflecting all Australian children. Last year, we sent 12 year old Maya on the federal election campaign. You may have seen her. She asked, all of the politicians the hard questions that kids wanted to know about politics and this year we're following nippers um a club of nippers as they battle over summer to sort of learn how to to be safe in the ocean but really one of the most fantastic projects we've had come through our door is my year of life which was made by princess productions this vlogumentary series um started in 2016. 14 year 12 students were given cameras to shoot this final and torturous last year of school from their homes. They shot every frame of this 26 half hour documentary and 400 discrete eye view clips of around two minutes in duration as well. So massive volume of material. The incredible producers and production team have taken all of these individual stories and woven a very engaging and interesting narrative that's an honest and real portrayal of what it is like to go through Year 12 in the pursuit of the ATAR. I'm just going to show a quick clip now, which you probably haven't seen. If you ha- if you are following the show, um, it can be found on ABC Me, ABC iView and ABC Main Channel. This is the first for children's for us to actually have a project that runs across multiple channel- channels. Um, But this one in particular just shows a little bit of an insight into what it's been like for the kids um, in the show and and to be recording the show themselves.
3: (laughs) Such a cool clip.
2: (laughs) So I'm going to stop talking now, thank God, and let these lovely ladies talk to you about their amazing show. I've got a couple of questions, but um, I'd really love to open it out to the floor and let you guys um, talk to them about their process and... um, all the amazing, funny trials and tribulations we've had on this show. Um, so, Laura, you're the creator of this show, so why don't you give <laughs> like um, give the crowd a little bit of an insight into what inspired you about this project? Sure. Um,
3: well, as you'll be able to tell from my accent as I keep talking, I didn't grow up here. Um, so when I've got two daughters and when the oldest one went through year 12, I was really shocked by how much pressure the kids were under and the way that the ATAR system works. Because in America, to get into a university, you get judged on your scores from your entire high school career. They look at all your extracurricular activities. Um, You write a big essay, and then you also take a test. Um, And then I watched my kids and their friends go through this process where it was like, year 9 didn't matter, year 10 didn't matter, year 11 was like, oh shit, I better start to think about this. And then year 12 was like, this nightmare of anxiety where they were getting all this pressure from their parents and from the schools about this one number and so I watched the kind of expectations that she and her friends had and um and the anxieties and the pressure and I watched some of the kids develop anxiety issues that you know even three or four years later were still kind of playing out and I thought this is Fox, you know. So, um, so initially, I thought, why don't we find like twenty kids around the country? We'll just buy cheap cameras and get them to record their stories, and we'll create a YouTube channel so that people there was sort of like a support for kids to be able to see that they weren't the only ones going through it. Um, and I was telling somebody at the ABC about it um, in, in kids, and they were like, "Don't do that on YouTube. Make it a TV show." <laughs> I was like,
2: "Oh yeah." <laughs> I
3: make television. (laughs) Okay, that's a good idea. So um, that was kind of where it started. Um, Yeah, Yeah.
2: and um, Carla, I thought you might want to talk a bit about, um, like obviously once we got the show up and commissioned and through that nightmare process, which (laughs) probably a number of you have been through in the audience, um, the casting obviously for this show um, is one of what we feel is one of the hugest successes of this show. We've got an incredibly diverse group of people from private school, public school, um, various types of socio-economic situations, um, almost any kind of scenario um, that you could find we, we feel we've covered in this series. So, um, Carla, do you want to talk about how you found these amazing kids?
0: Well, I think the diversity was something <clears throat> that we all knew was paramount and we wanted all types of stories to be there. So, we did the obvious, which... I contacted every single high school in Australia, um, which took
1: forever. <laughs>
0: um, and then, though, I thought, okay, so I felt like that was more of a bit tick the box, like you knew you had to do that part. But then I think the thing that just worked and was just incredible was just, again, going to the audience. Like I thought, well, where are these people? And at that stage they were in year 11. So I just trawled Facebook and... Twitter and I don't think I did Snapchat I wasn't really across Snapchat (laughs) now I am because of these kids but um, so I just found all of these amazing discussion forums of people already sort of talking about HSC and VCE and spoke directly to them that way and so which I think was amazing because in the end they had already bought into the ethos of the show so it was through Facebook I would say 90% of our applications and we were in undated. So I think we got 800 to 1,000 applications and then I whittled them down, probably auditioned 200 and then ended up and then we shortlisted, what, 20? Like 120. Yeah, 120. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it went and down cool. and then we got these top 16. So it was – and I think also just the fact that they wanted to document – we kind of whittled out the people who just wanted to be on TV – yeah. which was really really important but i think they also all yeah. just because they were already in a space where they were already talking to each other about what u12 was so this was just like an extra extension to what they wanted to do so it was incredible
2: it was and we did think well that time. some of them would drop out like clearly this okay. is the most stressful year of their life <laughs> Um, So we sort of felt like, oh, well, let's have a couple of extras factoring that in or mum and dad might get a bit over it and, um, you know, think that it's interrupting their studies. But they all thankfully got through, which was very, (laughs) very happy happy for us.
0: We were supposed to do 12 and 12, like 12 kids (laughs) going through year 12. So I
2: cast 14. And I'm like, don't worry, guys, two will drop out. (laughs) But they didn't, which
0: blessed them. I'm happy (laughs) about
2: that. (laughs) Yeah, and that was obviously um, a big part of it as well was getting their family on board because we knew that this would be a massive interruption potentially um, to what they were doing and um, the families absolute hats off to all of them were incredibly incredibly supportive we gave them the option that they could um, vet every piece of material that was submitted by their children I think one of them (laughs) watched it for about two months and then went I can't bear another minute of this it's excruciating and she she opted out But as the kids were 17, some of them were 18, um, really that was sort of the deal that we made with them was that um, they shot the material, they vetted their own material and then they submitted the material and from that point on it became the property of Princess. Um, So... You know, we, we had maybe a couple of instances, I think, across the year where people did submit material and then sort of ring up on the Monday and say, oh, you know what, I'm not <laughs> sure I was really happy about what I said. Um, so we absolutely took that into account because it wasn't any of our intention to make a salacious, um, horrible okay. documentary series. Our goal was really to um, to show these kids as, as real as we could and our biggest compliment to that was... On the 30th of January, you can imagine because they shot this entire series in their home so they never met each other, we really wanted them to meet before the show went to air. So we had this fantastic meeting where we brought them into the ABC, Princess came up and we spent two days with them and it was absolutely phenomenal watching them watch the show (laughs) with their parents and their parents then came up to all of us and said, oh, my God, that is exactly my child. <laughs> I was so worried about how they were going to come out. And so I think um, it's a great testament to Princess on how, how you know, the process, the management of the families, the management of the children, obviously, as a public broadcaster, our duty of care obligations are enormous. Um, and this was incredibly important to us. But it worked out incredibly well in the end. Um, so, Carla, just a quick one on... Um, Just talking about that, so obviously as a public broadcaster, we have our ed polls and classification processes. If any of you get the fortunate moment to meet these people, they are some of the biggest gems in the ABC. They are my favourite people. They are not (laughs) the boring police. They make everything work. Because obviously we work under a PGG classification. So, um, you know, things come up all the time. Imitable behaviour swearing, how far can we go, shit's appropriate, the F-bomb's not, you know, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um, So it was a really fascinating process for us to work with Princess to kind of basically give these kids Ed Poles and classification training. So, Carla, do you want to talk a bit about well, that? Well, the
0: first meeting I had with Ed Poles and classification was probably one of the most fun meetings I've <laughs> ever been to because you were just swearing the whole time. What about this one? What about this one? So, um, anyway, that's an insight into my brain. Um, so... The good thing was when we were talking to the kids in the family, knowing that we had PG and Ed Poles behind us allowed them to feel like they were safe. So it was one of the big things that allowed them to know that we would be telling this, their story. And as I always said to them, it's kind of like we've got you back. But the way I would communicate everything that I learnt from the ABC, especially from because it's all about context and how it makes you feel and the impact and making sure that, well, you wouldn't want them to be up for defamation if they were bitching about someone. So the way I took everything from the ABC and said to the cast and their family, basically, if you're ever bitching about someone or talking about something, pretend they're also in the room and what would you be happy to discuss with them there? And then that way you know that you would feel comfortable knowing that that's going to be broadcast. And also just giving them the ranking of swearing, which was the main... I mean, they were remarkable. They took the brief and they were, good. They were incredible. And there was no self-censoring. Because like, my main thing that I said to them, although we have PG and Ed polls and I also care about you and I would never put anything... I sort of... Princess also had their own... We kind of had our own Ed polls in a way. Because duty of care and looking after these 14 kids was number one we didn't want to be adding stress to their year 12 we wanted to be documenting their year 12 so so we always so duty of care was the number one thing and so it was one of those it was one of those things where we said to them okay so let's pretend I watched something and I was like oh like someone may have been getting close to anxiety or doing it was just knowing Laura and I made a decision that nothing would also go to where if they knew that they hadn't dealt with it themselves by yeah. the time it got to 2017. So it was kind of a constant dialogue between us and the family to work out where they were at and how they were feeling but also without it not taking, taking away from the creative process and without, with telling their story properly. So it was kind of this ongoing working relationship between the 14 families and the three of us.
3: Yeah, because the point of the show is that kids are going through these terrible this this really stressful year where they're suffering and and issues are being created mm-hmm. that are unfair for them to have to deal with but then you have to put those issues to air or otherwise there's no point to the mm-hmm. show <laughs> so we were just really lucky that we were able to kind of walk that fine line and that and that the kids that were in the show were happy to be so open and I think when we had them all together um, and they didn't know anything about who else was in the show so it was quite a big shock but when we were all together it really felt like all of us including them felt like they had a bigger purpose that they were Mm. serving and so that was amazing to me Mm. because I felt that way but I think they all felt like they were giving their lives over to help other people and you know from 17-year-olds, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and that's I think that was a common thing that they would say. So I would ring and say, this is a storyline that I'm putting together right now. Can you check, just double-check with your parents, double-check with your best friend and just let them know that this is happening? And so then they would say, yeah, but it's just so important. Like, I did go through it and I want people to know it's okay. So they really did feel like they were doing a community service yeah so what their vulnerability was for a reason and real and I think it helped validate their feelings because it, it kind of gave them an extra purpose in a way and they were allowed to feel what they were feeling and boy they're teenagers and they felt a lot
3: <laughs> <That's what it laughs> a lot of crying
2: and we also obviously had to counter things like emotional behavior um, you know we had a funny moment where one of the characters and the group of mates their car breaks down and they effectively break into the car <laughs> so you know it's like how much of the breaking in process do we show <laughs> which is hugely entertaining because obviously they're a bunch of you know four 17 year old boys and they're doing it in a really entertaining way so they're just the subtlety of some of the material um, was a really fascinating process to go through as well obviously drinking Um, They all turned, pretty much all turned 18. So there was a variety of fabulous 18th birthday parties (laughs) um, that happened as well, schoolies was the other thing that we sort of covered as well. So it wasn't really um, just about their study life. It was no. very much about their personal lives. And
0: ranging from someone that hasn't never been kissed to losing virginity because you know, <laughs> yeah. like, had it all. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and obviously... No, all back the memory. <laughs> mental health issues and body image issues and all of those things that are really um, important to kids of that age. So it was, um, yeah, really fascinating um, and... Um, I feel very honoured that they allowed us into their lives um, for that entire year. Very thankful. Um, so, I feel like the other big question that you guys might be interested in is the volume of material that came in because it was enormous. So, do you guys want to talk to the edit and the post production process and well, the data management? <laughs> I've got the stats, but the basically,
3: we set up a system, we set up a really we set up the team really carefully to be made up of a few adults, <laughs> me and Carla, apparently. and then um and then our post team, which is a really experienced editor and post producer. Um, but then everybody else is kind of not exactly in the age group, but clo- way closer to the age group than we are. so, um and especially the story producers who were in touch with the kids all the you know every day um so it was this process where the footage would um where the story producers were across everything that the kids were going through they had an understanding of more or less what they were filming even before we got it um we made the decision early on to actually have a system a postal system rather than uploading it just thought internet that's too hard So we would literally just be waiting at the post box for cards to come in and go Mm -hmm. out. Um, And then all of that footage would be reviewed by um, the producers and also by what we call the sweatshop of editors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just a big group of kind of young editors who were just trawling through teenage angst for an entire (laughs) year. And then they would assemble everything, tag it, um, and then give that to the adult team who cut the episodes. But in terms of volume... So we
0: asked the kids to shoot five to ten minutes a day and more just to get them into the habit of shooting. So on average we would get 30 to 60 minutes from the 14 cast members. So I think we just looked at it. So it was five terabytes worth of footage, which is like 750 hours worth. That went down to compiles, story compiles, became 250 hours worth then to make... 30 hours worth of iview and tv so they had a lot to say there was a lot (laughs) so some weeks some people would send in 13 hours and then there'd be other weeks where it might just be the hour and you could kind of gauge where they were at based on the footage Mm. or also where it was like oh hang on a second you've missed tuesday's postal like it was so old school from the post point of view but it kind of it was indicative of where they were at with the amount of footage that was also coming in. But, so there was a lot to get through.
2: And I remember early on going down to, coming down to Melbourne and um, visiting the edit suites and these guys saying to me, oh, check this out, and I think it was Triana, and she'd, sent, she'd submitted <laughs> oh, yeah. um, a clip and oh, she yeah. was sitting at her window talking and we just scrubbed through and th- it went from day to night <laughs> i mean she would just was it was a monologue of hell and the poor editors who'd sat through and listened to every single we frame haven't to i only off. had to look at the scrub through it was hilarious so um it was an incredible feat um the post-production team really amazing processes and um We're thankful. So I feel like you guys probably have got heaps of questions, so should we open it up to the floor and see if anyone would like to ask anything? got one down the front here. Is this... There's a couple of microphones coming down. Do you mind just waiting till we get that so everyone can hear? There's one up the back as well. Do you want to go first because you've got the microphone, Andrew?
4: Yeah, sure. Hi. um, I was... When I saw the promos on the ABC, I said to my son, who's doing Year 12... ''Hey, look, this show could be interesting.'' And he said, ''Dad, I have a whole classroom full of Year 12 (laughs) students. I don't need to see it.'' But interestingly enough, my 14-year-old was a little bit more curious. So my question to you is, um, ratings-wise, is it the parents watching the show or uh, who's watching the show? So It's (laughs) it's both.
2: Um, So I guess what's exciting for us with this show, as I mentioned before, we never... Usually children's shows never gravitate to the main channel. So um, what's really fascinating on this show is that we have ABC Me, which also I will point out, I mean, as you've probably noted, the demo is slightly older than our usual demo. But, um, but anyway, it runs out on ABC Me three nights a week because we, we're, and, and then sits on iView because we're very conscious that kids between 12 and 16 who are absolutely loving the show want to binge it, they want to watch all of it. And then we've got the 6.30 on a Sunday night on main channel for parents who maybe want to sit down and do a bit of family co-viewing, and we've had a lot of um, we've had a lot of messages from parents and families who basically say, "This is the only show they can get their teenagers to watch on the ABC," which is really fantastic for us <laughs> in the kids department. Um, so we really feel like this is a show that reaches way beyond our you know our greatest dreams. Really, I mean, we always knew kids would be into it, but um, as parent, I'm a parent of an 11 year old, and I've you know, I, I just want to lock him up in year twelve and, <laughs> <laughs> and not make him do anything. Um, but it's an amazing—it's um, an amazing resource for parents as well because, I, no doubt, your child is probably one of has some traits of one of, one or two of those children for sure. So we're seeing it across everything, and it's um, the interesting thing for us as well was also having these sort of um, the 400 extra clips, which really, if you want to delve into a particular character's story that you're interested in. Um, say Alfie or Cheyenne or Tom, um, you can go onto Ivy and there's a whole big further unpacking of their story, and that's something the ABC's never done before. And um, it really came about because of the amount of material they were shipping in, and we sort of that kind of came as the second part of the commission. We sat down and went, "Wow, what do we do with this material?" Because um, they're all short form clips, and um, so it's been really fascinating to watch how when an episode plays out, then how that extra content correlates, are people looking for more about the characters in the episode or are they looking about sort of the characters that were sort of weren't featured in that episode? So we're tracking all of those kind of trends which um, we hope we'll will learn quite a lot about audience. You had a question in the front.
0: Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Rachel. Um, I was just wondering kind of how you went juggling the kind of probably desire to show lots of footage that the kids would have shot you know, maybe out and about as well versus, like, how do you get all of the consent to show um, other kids' faces and what
3: did you decide and how did you go about it? Well, it was just sort of a nightmare of getting the... I mean, probably a lot of you are doco makers, it's always a nightmare to clear everything, but this is, like, times 14, Mm. times a million. So I think... I mean, Carla and the team just did a really good job of, of, you know, harassing the kids (laughs) into clearing all their friends and clearing teachers and clearing locations and if there was ever an issue then we just blurred you know there's a lot of blurring um but yeah it was just a whole other level of admin basically
0: (laughs) and when they when we first cast them we got them to do their obviously their family and friends so we at least always had consent from the very beginning so releases were sorted then um and then we always said to them i never wanted the producer side to stop their story so I I made a promise to them that we would look after that side for them and oh my god it's kept us up at night but everything that (laughs) is on screen has been cleared or blurred (laughs) or blurred so but the kids in the end I think so that the people side was okay then it was just sometimes when they'd pull out their iPhone and just start shooting somewhere so it would be like and half the time, sometimes when they didn't know where they were. And so we were like Googling, like, oh, what coffee shop has that mug? And she said she was in Sydney. And then we rang one coffee shop and they were just like, we don't have brown mugs. It must be the one down the
2: road. And you're like, oh
0: my God. And anyway, um, so it was kind of like we were all co producers together. It, yeah.
2: And they were all whinging about it when we got together on the 30th of January. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, the release forms? Really? Like, really? Nobody we likes release that forms. Stuff? That, was, that <laughs> was the one thing they all bitched and moaned. Yeah. About. They're just human. Down the front.
3: Uh, yeah, I just wondered if you'd spoken to any of them about starting their own YouTube channels off the back of this. It seems like a really good launching platform for them as influencers and... Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been... Um, It's been tricky for us to advise them about their social media presence in general because they're all really different. They all have different aspirations. They all um, probably have different levels of wanting to engage with an audience. So it's been hard to kind of give them a blanket thing. But we did when we had... That was part of what we did when we got them all together. Um, We had, like, a big section where we just talked about social media and even about just fame and you know dealing with people who might say you know trolls or you know yeah haters as well as you know Mm -hmm. everything else and so and we actually got we brought um somebody from big brother in and he talked about his experience and so i think they've all made their own decisions about it but we sort of feel like it's we've advised them and we've said we're there for them when they want any advice but it sort of is up to them
0: And what I found quite interesting about it is because they filmed on their own, they weren't aware of the magnitude of the story and the reach that they may have. So it's only kind of kicking in now because they were sitting on their own with a camera. So they weren't necessarily – there's a couple, like Triana, I think, follows YouTubers, so maybe she had a little something in her head, but the rest of them, because they were doing it just to explain Year 12 – that it's only now that they're kind of going, oh, like I could <laughs> have an audience or... Yeah. And even though we, we briefed them and we explained and we also said it was an ideal opportunity if they were thinking of doing something like Tom Forrest's photography is beautiful. So I'm like, you should like see that as an opportunity. But I think it's only just kicking in now for yeah. them, what that actually oh, yeah. meant. And that's what, I, again, it was just because the process was so organic just with them and a cam- like themselves in a camera, they weren't thinking of it as a media opportunity? And
3: probably the kids that wanted to use the show as a media opportunity, they didn't make it through the audition process. <laughs> so these kids were really there for another reason.
2: There's a question just here. Uh. Oh, Sorry. Oh, oh, sorry, you go first. Sorry. <laughs> right. I didn't notice that you had the microphone. gone.
1: Um, Just a couple of things. I'm Carla, by the way, uh, was a decision to use young editors because you had so much footage and it would save money?
3: Oh, well, that would have been a good reason. <laughs> but um, no, it was more because, um, well, personally, I just think everybody that works on a production, no matter what it is, their energy infuses the show, you know, from your edit- you know, assistant editors to boom operators or whatever it is that you're making. So personally, I think every single person that works on a crew is really important. And so I thought, we can't make this show with a bunch of really experienced middle-aged people who are bringing just kind of a, like, I know what I'm doing energy to this. And I think that you feel that in the show. It's got a real sense of humor and a real, I don't know, just kind of youthful vibe. Yeah. yeah
1: sorry, just one more question. Um, did you ask them to specifically discuss you know specific things in their five to ten minutes?
3: Yeah, every once in a while we would um, give them in fact pretty regularly we would give them specific topics to talk about um, sometimes just to help them have something to talk about, but mostly. If you watch the series throughout it, um, we have these kind of like montages on topics. And um, in fact, at the very beginning of the year, we came like brainstormed a bunch of different things that we thought were important to just touch on or that were in common to kids and themes that we wanted to make sure came out in the episodes. And so, yeah, we would get we'd go, you know,
0: so they had this question. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Set questions and then their video diary. But the set questions would also be if something topical came up in news and current <laughs> affairs that was affecting teenagers or Year Twelve. So occasionally, occasionally yeah. we would just get their opinions on that. But yeah, it was because so there's themed questions and then there's just their the video diaries are the narration to the whole show, which is based from just their story. But then there were themed questions too.
2: Which they also sometimes didn't answer. <laughs> yeah, they're teenagers. So, like, we thought happen. the federal election would be quite an interesting topic. Oh God, boring, so boring. <laughs> it is. I mean, one of them was interested, but you know, we just you just couldn't pick. That was really what they surprising. Now, who had the other question you
3: did to get gone. Yeah, hi. Um, I'm, oh, sorry, uh, Sean from... Uh, I'm actually from Screen Rights Enhanced TV. Um, love the show. Uh-huh. We're big fans of it already. And uh, we're actually working quite hard to to package it up and, and push, uh, well, really to get teachers to use it in classrooms. Cool. Um, and you kind of you talked about parents and getting their sign-off with it. Um, we we find uh, schools can sometimes... Uh, ..can be sometimes a little bit resistant to, to some content. Have you? Did you get any resistance? Um, have Great. you had... Um, positive or negative feedback since then or any sort of idea yourselves from um, how schools are reacting to this? Well we've had so far really like more positive feedback than we could have imagined Um, and in fact the day after we launched one of the big schools in Melbourne played the whole first episode in assembly the next day and they said we're going to be watching this in assembly the whole year so um, we were like wow you haven't (laughs) even had time to (laughs) We're still hungover. How are you on to this? But, um, um, but there were some schools and Carl, you can probably talk more about this who, while, you know, before we started filming, said no," or were nervous." And I think we had a call from the Department of Education about a week before we went to air, just sort of going, "We're watching." <laughs> and it wasn't in a nice way. But I think they're happy now. We haven't heard from them.
2: So. And some, some some schools were um, allowed the children to film at school, so you'll see that in the show. And then other children, the schools didn't want to be involved. It was just so one. It was only one. Yeah, yeah.
0: So out of all fourteen, I so I spoke to all of the principals, and they signed location agreements once again. Once they explained yep. what it was, and we also had to fit in with their phone policy. So it was more just making sure that that was okay, that they weren't shooting anywhere, that they shouldn't film. Um, And then the school that was apprehensive was just because they'd been involved in a lot of productions before and I think they heard a producer call and they're like, oh, more release forms. (laughs) Um, So so from that perspective and then I think also it was one of those... They were all a little bit confused because it didn't need crews to go out and it, the liability was different and when it was just like, it's just your student and it's telling their story and we'll look after the, all the release forms, um, they were overall okay. And There was, and I there think was no was example,
2: yeah, to say it's like this show, yeah. which they normally like to go, oh, okay, yeah, I get what that show is. Yeah. It was a blank canvas going in for everybody.
1: Yeah, so thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else?
0: Um, it's a Sony. I knew I should have written oh, this down. No. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a more like a handy cam, um, and then they would also shoot on their iPhone, but only if they were shooting through Movie Pro. So it was just this cute little Sony cam. They all think that they're
3: huge. I they're know. like tiny cameras. Like, they gave us these they're huge, like huge cameras. cameras. And you're like, it's
0: a handy cam <laughs> with a cute little backpack. <laughs> like, like. Um, and then GorillaPod ended up being their saving grace so they could do, do selfie really well. So, And it was interesting when you watch the show, you can see that they become more comfortable with the shooting process because in the first couple of episodes it was like on the tripod in their bedroom with a locked off shot and then just as they became more comfortable it would be like Gorillapod out and about and they just became more comfortable with where to take the camera and how to use the camera to tell their story. So it was kind of interesting to watch it from them growing with their actual process themselves.
2: I think the other thing that we're just so thrilled about with this show is that they shot themselves looking terrible. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they didn't have brushed their hair, there was no makeup. So, counter to their social media profiles, which are so well branded and positioned and carefully curated by them about how they present themselves to the world, they just sort of forgot weirdly in this show. So, what I'm delighted about is that we're presenting a show to the audience, to other kids, to say it's okay. To look a bit shit <laughs> yeah. and to look normal, because a lot of the show they look quite normal yeah. without makeup, and it was mainly the girls who, mm. um, you know, have these very presentable sort of profiles. But we're just so delighted that that happened, and that they didn't all have a full face of makeup before they they turned the camera on. I think
3: also, if there's one thing that I feel really proud that we've been able to do, it's that it's so much their story, and you know, really early on it was like will we have parents giving opinions or educators or psychologists or, you know, will we intercut interviews with, you know, specialists and adults? And we just really early on were like, no, there's no – it's just them. There's no – it's not somebody else's view of what teenagers are going through. It's the teenagers. And then also just even as we kept going down the path – being really careful with the music and the graphics and everything, because it was funny that the default position was always to get, like, a sad girl on a guitar. And my life is so, you know, it was like, no, it's not, you know, or these sort of, like, yeah, the kind of adult version of what a teenager is. And so we worked really hard to just let it be a kind of canvas for them. And for everything about the show to kind of reflect that and not impose our view of them on, onto the show. So I feel like, you know, to some extent we've done that. And, um, yeah, it'd be, it's a, it'd be a cool thing to do for lots of groups of people.
2: Oops, one more question at the back. Very
4: quickly, format rights. Yeah. In terms of is oh, um, Do you feel there's um, much format potential for the show? To yeah,
3: definitely. I mean, we've been exploring that. and um, But even just yesterday, I was talking to our in-house business affairs person and saying, you know, what is the format exactly? Is it just teenagers? Or is it like, because there's actually a lot of um, code to how we got people to tell their stories. And so, you know, obviously, we've like really been thinking about that, too. But Um, yeah I just think especially when we live in a world now where there's so much talk about the way that we get information being filtered and so it's like exciting that we've got something going on here where there's there's very little filter I mean obviously it's edited and we've put music on it and it's got a bit of pace but um yeah, there's definitely a filter that's been removed. And,
4: and um, in terms of actually, I'm assuming with the format, you'd be putting a, a, a Bible together, I guess, Lara, or an instruction yeah. book, would you, in terms of all the secrets as to how you yeah. got what you got? Yeah,
0: promise them onto it.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Carla says she's been doing it. <laughs> no, we know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one more question before we wrap up.
1: Sorry, Mel. Um, Hi, I'm Mel from Fred Bird Entertainment. And we made a um, user-generated show called Moment of Truth last year or the previous year. And it was really interesting hearing this story of this experience, which was similar because my point was, was going to bring it back to the point of this talk. But we had um, ten participants sharing their Moment of Truth and of two of those ten were teenagers. And it struck me when this show was being produced and when we were doing this that um the, the best ones, for me, the two best ones in terms of how they filmed it and what they filmed and when they were showing their experience was by far the teenagers. <laughs> you know, they were fantastic. They gave us stuff on time. They posted it when they said they were going <laughs> to post it. You know, the dialogue was open. Everything was fantastic. So it's made me always think that in terms of the factual space and putting stories together, that there really is, a, and that's why I was asking your opinion, there really is a... Um, opportunities because they are so savvy especially between the ages i guess you know of 14 to 18 they know how to tell a story actually um so this could be opportunities more opportunities i guess to have them tell their own stories because they were really got their, they got their shit together and they were <laughs> quite inspiring
3: i don't know if all 14 of ours would <laughs> fall into that category but i think and also right be- right while we were right before we started casting um, somebody told me about a show that was made in the UK that was all about teenagers. I can't remember even now if it was self-shot. I, I think it was, and so I called the producer of that show, and he said, "And thank God I did, even though it scared the crap out of me at the time." He said it was a disaster. We were supposed to we were supposed to make ten episodes. We ended up only having six. They were there were no stories. It was really boring. And good luck to you. You know? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I've just promised to make 26 episodes. I don't know what the hell, what what is it? So it sort of put us all into like hyper mode of storytelling. Like how, you know, because we the realization at that moment was like, holy yep. shit, like we we consider ourselves professionals to some extent. And we've just handed all storytelling control over to 14 people who. A are going to be really stressed out, and they're teenagers; they're so unreliable. And B, they don't know anything about storytelling. So what what have we done? And so we put a lot of um, measures in place to make sure that there were actually stories, you know, proper kind of stories coming through. And um, so I think, yeah, you're. I think probably you lucked out, or you. Cast really well with the with the team. There was only two out of ten,
1: remember? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what
3: are the odds? But um, but also, and I think obviously, teenage, you know, like this generation's better at. But at the same time, yeah, it's not a lock in.
2: <laughs> so before um, you all disappear, I just wanted to um, just mention one further thing. We um, yesterday made a fabulous announcement that we are running an initiative this year on ABC Me. Um, ...in support of International Day of the Girl... ...which is coming up in October. Um, We really want to explore the question... ...what it is to be a 12-year-old girl in Australia today. So we've put together um, some funding... ...and we're looking for five teams or individuals... um, ...to get together and um, explore some of the broader... ...bigger topics that we're talking about in women's issues. So body image is a big thing for us. Gender stereotypes, gender language... We're very conscious that all of these things start with our audience. So um, please feel free to look at the guidelines on the site, which is abc.net.au backslash girls. Um, There's $80,000 per episode up for grabs, so half-half from us and Screen Australia. And um, submissions close on the 13th of April, so there's about six weeks to get your ideas together. But we're looking for factual, we're looking for comedy, martial arts... Whatever you think is the best way to tell the story to a twelve-year-old girl, and as long as the material is appropriate for that audience. But we're really excited about that this year, and looking forward to um, celebrating Australian girls. You have been listening to an Acme podcast. For more recordings, go to
0: soundcloudcom online or the Acme website.